Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone tonight. I'm sure they could use a good word, a smile from somebody. Amen and amen. I look at that song that we just sang, and I'm thinking about some of the false movements that are in our land among Christians, professing believers and others. I heard this past week about one of those movements which <clears throat> says that uh, we're no longer to be considered sinners after we're saved and how, how false that is, how wrong that is. We need to be ever vigilant. Uh, we, are, we are only, I mean, even if, even if you crossed spiritual Jordan and you're in the promised land, it doesn't take much, does it, for us to turn around and go sloshing back through Jordan, back into the wilderness. It happens frequently and maybe sometimes several times during the day. And, uh, and we need to confess that. That's why 1 John 1.9 is in the Bible. It's not written to unsaved people. 1 John is written to saved people, to my little children, John says, to people that know Jesus as Savior but have to struggle every day with this thing of temptation and sin and confess sins. Amen. We don't confess sins to stay saved or to, to earn salvation. We confess sins to get fellowship back, to be on the victory side. And so yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. I want you to be in prayer now about the uh, different uh, services coming up. And we have, of course, this weekend back in the house of the Lord uh, services. We want to get folks out. A lot of new faces, a great moving of the Spirit, people making decisions for Christ and for the church. And we're on the grow again. Praise the Lord for that. So would you be in prayer and ask God uh, to make it happen. Amen and amen. And likewise, continue to give to the projects that we are in. Uh, I want you to keep on giving uh, through this month to our project to raise enough money for 100,000 plus tracks going to south of the border down to Mexico. 17 local churches, each one receiving 5,000 imprinted tracks with their information, our smiley face tracks going out throughout Mexico and then Bogota, Colombia. I'm happy to report as of this last Sunday, we have surpassed 100,000. We have surpassed 200,000 as of this last Sunday, and we are moving towards uh, 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 250,000 tracks, and we want to keep them coming. We want to reach all of Mexico. We want to reach all of South America. We want millions and millions of souls to come under the influence of the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and praise the Lord for that. So keep on giving. Use your envelope that says love offering, and write on there 100,000. We've passed 100,000 uh, Hispanic tracks. Our Spanish smile tracks going uh, south of the border. Around the world, our tracks are going. Praise the Lord. Pray for the Ukrainian situation. Pray for the Russians to be defeated. I would like to have all the Russian troops, all these um, who are the standard troops and those who are the terrorists, I would like for them all to lay down their arms and instead of pledging allegiance uh, to Vladimir Putin, to pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. I'd like them all to give up and walk off the job and leave the Ukrainians and the Ukrainian Christians. But I, I fear that we're on the very cusp of World War III and it could go either way. God's people need to pray. Keep praying for the Popchenkos as they determine God's will, whether to stay in Europe or to come here. And, uh, of course, the, the work is continuing. Many of those fleeing refugees are seeking now comfort from the Word of God. And uh, we have the New Testament Ukrainian 
thanks to your support and the work, the tireless work of your Popchenko and his translators, the entire New Testament has been completed. And now he is going to, trying to find some place where he can translate the Psalms from the Old Testament and add that to the New Testament because folks are looking for comfort in these days. There are hundreds of thousands of refugees flooding all parts of Europe right now. And we have our smiley face track in Ukrainian. We want it to go out and reach many, many souls for God. I'm excited about what God is doing. And if we can just stay focused on the things of the Lord, I, I believe that God is going to do great things in our time. Now let's talk about this matter of sin and what, uh, what it does, what it does to the Christian. We have a threefold enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the world system. That's the system that tries to cram us, even as believers, into its mold so that we'll be neutralized and we will not be effective. There's the world system. There's the flesh. That's your old nature and my old nature, which is subject to influences such as the world and the devil. We have a, a, a great host of demons throughout this world. I'm sure they come to church and uh, they try to influence us through the thought processes. And uh, this, of course, would be through uh, what we see and hear and what we read and, and the people that we're running with and all of those kinds of influences that work on the mind and work on the thought process. And that's how the devil works in the area of temptation. And so we want to be, want to be on guard. We want to be sensitive to, uh, to that which is evil and wicked and that which is, is right according to the Word of God. We want to try the spirits, as John says. And uh, we want to be aware of movements away from the Lord and what ought to be our pattern as believers. We've been looking in Colossians and we've come up to chapter 3. And in Colossians we read about false teachers in the church. And we've got those today who are teaching things that are based on man's philosophy rather than on the Word of God. We, are, we want to be true to the Word of God. So uh, last week we looked at verse number 5 of chapter 3 where it says, Mortify or put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth and then we have a listing, a laundry list of sins, fornication, which is sexual sin, sex outside of the holy uh, bonds of matrimony, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, looking on and desiring that which is not ours, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So unsaved people come under God's condemnation because of these things, and Christians can commit these things when we're not yielded to God. We yield to temptation, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. We need to put to death these sins, these propensities, these leanings toward sin, these temptations that come our way. We need to snuff them out right away when we are sensitive toward them. Back in 1687, Isaac Newton uh, put together what we understand as Newton's Law of Gravitation, any two bodies attract each other with a force proportional to the product of their masses and inversity proportional to the square of the distance between them. You say, now what does that mean? That means apples fall out of the tree and they go down. And that means that because of our sin nature, we have a tendency to go down. We have a tendency to seek that which is lower, that which is beneath, that which is wrong. That is everywhere. It's not just that force that is exerted upon falling bodies, but it's also exerted upon us. Everything that the devil uh, gives us is phony. It's empty. 
It's vain. The Bible speaks of it as being vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And I'll never forget the great preaching, evangelistic and revival preachings of Dr. John R. Rice, my, my grandfather in the faith who used to preach a, a message entitled, All Satan's Apples Have Worms. They're empty. They're rotten on the inside. And that's still true. It's kind of like uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, endearment with Russia. Bernie Sanders, if you don't know it already, radical left uh, in this world, is, uh, is a great fan of Russia. In fact, he and his wife went to Russia on their honeymoon. They chose to go there as if it's something to be desired. There's nothing, there's nothing in communism, there's nothing in socialism, there's nothing in the extreme left to be desired. It's rotten, it's empty on the political level. And all that Satan offers us in the spiritual realm is empty. All Satan's apples have worms. There were three cellmates in a Russian jail. They didn't know each other, but they started comparing notes when they had an opportunity. The guards had passed them by, and they were... They were trying to discover from each other why they were doing time. And interestingly enough, no pun intended, it all had to do with time. The first one said, now this is in Russia, said, I was jailed for coming late to work. The second said, why, well, I came too early. They, they said, this proved I was an American spy because I came early. The third one said, I'm here because I arrived exactly on time and they accused me of owning an American watch. And you know, everything in Russia is empty and vanity. And everything that's offered by the world, the flesh, and the devil is vanity. It's empty. So we need to put to death, we need to kill temptation to sin as we've seen last week in Colossians 3, 5 through 7. Now tonight, let's pick up our scripture at verse number 8. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 8, but now ye also, this is in addition, put off. See, last week it was put to death. Now it's put off all these. And we have a, another list. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, I believe that God doesn't waste any paper and ink. I believe that these things are listed for us because... There is a tendency for those who have professed Christ as Savior to fall back into the practice of these old sins as if we were never saved. doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It just means we have lost our testimony. We have lost our fellowship. We have got, gotten cold. We've gotten distant from the Lord. It says in James and chapter 4 that the secret to getting back with God is to draw near or nigh unto Him. Turn there with me, if you would please. James chapter 4. It says in verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? This is dissension. That's sinful. Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. So the, the conflicts that we have among ourselves have their origin in the misplaced desires, sinful desires that are within us. And then it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So instead of uh, exerting energy and, and, and investing in prayer and asking the Lord for what we have a desire, instead 
trying to work it out ourselves is sinful. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss out of the will of God that you may consume it upon your lust. That's misplaced desires. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world, the world system, is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Think about it. You've got professing believers who are on the wrong side of the battle. And then it says, Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. That's what we need to do. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now there's no new novel interpretation of this old tried and true scripture. We know what we are by nature. We know what we do when we are not uh, under the control of the Holy Spirit. We start acting like lost people. We treat one another with animosity. We are hostile. We are bitter. We are angry. We are at war, so to speak, with one another. And that's what tonight's scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 is actually saying. Put off, put off these things. I want you to think about your closet at home. Certainly you have more than one change of clothing. So you have a clean change of clothing hanging at least one in your closet. Perhaps you have quite a few. You ladies have dresses, blouses, skirts, and so forth. And guys, we have shirts and pants and we have suits and, and uh, they're all hanging there in the closet. My brother, praise the Lord, uh, has been very blessed of God. He knows how to shop at thrift stores. And now for half a century, he's been shopping at thrift stores. Whenever they travel someplace, when they take a trip, you might go somewhere and see the sights. They go to the thrift stores. And he comes home with many different uh, kinds of suits and colors. He's got every shade of every color of, uh, of the rainbow in suits and jackets and so forth. And he has, they have converted an entire room in their house into a closet, large closet. And they have all the way around all these things. And you say, wow, that, that, you know, that seems like excessiveness. Well, everybody here has got excessiveness in some area. So uh, before you go to judge my brother, I'm just telling you, uh, when he goes, he hangs everything up. That's my point. He is absolutely neat about it. Uh, he'll put on a suit, and sweetheart, uh, when, when he goes to preaching, uh, he won't sit down because he doesn't want to wrinkle his suit. And when he's done, he will hang that back up again. And, uh, of course, when it gets wrinkled, he'll have it pressed or dry cleaned or whatever the case may be. But he's got a whole room, at least half a room, uh, of his clothes and then his wife's clothes that they have uh, so designated. And uh, he knows how to put off. He knows how to take off something and, uh, and put on something else. And here we're told to put off to take off, and we have that choice. Just as we have seen in verses 5 through 7 about putting to death, about killing that sinful activity, that sinful behavior, well, that choice is given to the believer. We have that choice given to us. We need to choose to kill off, to mortify uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, uh, and so forth. We need to put those things to death. And now tonight, we need to put off, like you take off a set of clothing, we need to put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of our mouth and not 
lie. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Every single day, we need to put off the old man, the old nature. We need to hang that thing up and get that out of our wardrobe. This is uh, taking away those uh, enslaving emotions and uh, the enslaving tongue that we demonstrated before we got saved. and We ought to know better. These sins are listed for a reason. They're listed because there is so much violation in this area. All right, so we put to death, we put off, and next week we'll put on. But how do we, how do we put things off? I want you to write this one four-letter word down. Walk. W-A-L-K. Walk. Walk. They say that walking is the best exercise. It's better for you. It's less damaging to your, to your uh, makeup, to your skeletal makeup if you walk. If you just walk with, with energy and uh, you walk frequently and you walk enough, best thing you can do is walk. You say, well, I don't know if I can. I'm thinking about, uh, thinking about uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. He got so big and bloated and and heavy that he couldn't get out of bed. And he got a personal trainer and spent the first 30 days, I think, cussing him out, but finally got him out of bed, got him to walk to the restroom and back, got him to walk to the door and back, got him to get dressed and walk out to the, to the mailbox and back because Brian Wilson had all kinds of emotional, mental hang-ups. And he got him to walk a little bit up the way and then back, and then a little further and a little further and a little further. And finally, the great... Victory was when he got all the way to the top of the hill and he realized that he could do something. If you've seen Brian Wilson in recent years, he took off all about 200 and some pounds and, uh, and back among the living. And that's it. So when you say, I don't know about walking, let me say spiritually, sometimes you've got to start with one step. And then tomorrow, two steps. And then the next day, three steps. And then the next day, four steps. And we need to get into a rhythm. We need to get into a path, pattern. And there it is. That's it. The key word is walk here. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. You see? There's a pattern. According to the prince of the power of the air, Satan's behind it, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This scripture... In Ephesians chapter 2 that we have covered previously, written to believers, says that the same kind of thing that lost people do is what Christians do, and they got to get out of that pattern. And by the grace of God and with the help of God, you and I can start to walk the way Christians ought to walk. We can start living the way we ought to live. Then in, in Philippians, uh, over just a few books, chapter number 3, and verse number 17 through 21, Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, that's our, our, our identification, our relationship, our citizenship, is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even 
to subdue all things unto himself. For many walk, he says, many walk like that. And so we have to get out of the old pattern. We have to put off these sins. And we need to formulate new patterns by the grace of God and walk the right way. In 1 Peter chapter 4, turn over there please if you would. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3, 4, and 5. For in the time, pa for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked, lived, in other words, in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, but shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick, the living, in other words, and the dead. Wow. All of these verses about walking, about our pattern of life. And then over in Jude, as we saw recently, Jude, beginning at verse 17, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There it is. So it's walking. We need to walk. We need to walk. Not according to the course of the world. We need to walk. Walk. Not as the enemies of the cross of Christ. We need to walk. Not in sins of the flesh. We need to walk, not after our own ungodly lust, but we need to walk after the Spirit. That's the secret. Walk after the Spirit. Don't be a slave to the old emotional sins and the sins of speech. Here they are. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Wow. When I think about those things, those Several sins listed there. I know that there are more than one Christian who struggle. I know there are more. Because many have come to me and said, Preacher, I just, I'm having real time getting the victory. Now, part of it is if we would just keep our mouth shut. There is that tendency there's a preacher right now in Wisconsin who years ago was in our, our Christian school. And uh, because we were just in our early 20s and he was in his teens, there's just a little distance between us. I don't know if he's still preaching, but I spoke to him a few years back and he thanked me. Yeah, he, was a, he was a big, strapping 14-year-old and I had to give him uh, some strokes one time and uh, he thought he was going to just take it and and walk out with a grin. But after I hit about two home runs, he said, all right, time out, time out. But he thanked me for that. And he thanked me for the advice I gave him later on when he was a young man in the ministry. And what, what he said to me uh, was that his dad had taught him for years. His dad was a deacon in the church uh, where we were. And his dad said, son... You just got to hold your tongue. You got to keep your mouth shut. And he said, the reason I know what I'm talking about is because when I was your age, I was just like you. When somebody says something, I just had this smart aleck answer I had to come back with. 
When somebody said something, I had to raise a question. I had to, you know, add something that was funny, put something funny in there, be a comedian. He said, I was just like you. And I learned the hard way. The best way to not be that way is just keep your mouth shut. Just keep your lip zipped. Whatever pops into your mind, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's wise. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's God's will and you just are compelled to say it. Keep your mouth shut. Now sometimes people get a little exasperated because I'm thinking and not speaking. And that's because every once in a while I remember that. That it's not the first thing that comes into your head that's got to be said. Sometimes you got to give it some time and I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Amen. Amen. So, there's the sin of anger, of wrath, and of malice. Now, these are destructive. You talk about burning down to the ground, scorched earth kinds of words. When we talk about anger, it is one of the works of the flesh that we find in Galatians chapter 5. That passage of Scripture, just before the fruit of the Spirit, there are the works of the flesh. And guess what heads them up? Anger and malice and wrath, they're all in there. And these are things that come forth out of the old nature. They're bubbling up. And a lot of times it's because there are unresolved issues and relationships from the past. Now you need to do this. You need to have a good old-fashioned time with the Lord and say, Lord, you know I'm burned about this and I'm upset about this and I'm, I'm mad about this and I can't settle that. And you know, it comes bubbling to the surface and I say things to people and I do things I shouldn't. And, uh, and Lord, it just comes out because it's unresolved. And ask the Lord to resolve it. Because if you don't, you're going to absolutely trash your testimony. This is the first way. People, people judge us by our words. What we say and how we say what we say. Very important. Anger... Wrath, malice, deep-seated feelings against people, hatred that lasts and goes on and on and on. Think of the word grudge, holding a grudge. Well, you don't really hold a grudge. Grudge holds you. Grudge is what hangs around and destroys you. And every time something good is about to happen, that grudge messes it up. I'm thinking right now about a person in ministry. They're, they're holding a grudge, and as a result of that, I believe they're about to make a major mistake. God help them. I have spoken about this person previously from the pulpit, but I'm, I'm speaking about that person right now. Long-lasting bitterness is so destructive. Amen. Let all bitterness... It says in Ephesians 4.31, not some, but all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So put it off, put it away, get rid of it. You have the power, I have the power. Decide to do something. Ask the Lord, as the song we sang, Yield Not to Temptation. Ask the Lord to help you. Amen. Amen. Moving on. Here we got some sins of the mouth. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. You know, I just don't know if God's going to do that, if God's going to come through. Blasphemy. 
Anything that demeans the Lord, anything that brings God down like it's God's fault or God's picking on you, I don't understand why God does these mean, cruel, awful things to me, why He doesn't favor me. The very fact that we've got the breath in our lungs to even pronounce such blasphemy is because we've got a gracious God. Amen. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Filthy communication. It's that language that is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We don't think long enough. We don't pray about it. We don't filter it. I, I recall, and I think they still have them on these gas pumps, they have a filter, what they call the final filter. Well, you got a final filter. It's right here in your mouth. It's called your tongue. And you need to put the Holy Spirit as a guard in front of your mouth. And we need to put a bridle of the Holy Spirit in our mouth. And I understand in James chapter 3 about that bit and bridle business. Did some writing in our time. And I know, I know for a fact that if you've got a well-trained mount, a well-trained horse... You don't want to yank back on those reins. Because when you do that, it tears into their tongue. They've got a bit on their tongue that's connected directly to the bridle. And you yank back on that, you're going to tear up that horse's tongue. That horse is not going to love you. horse may fear you, but uh, there are about a thousand more pounds of horse flesh than you've got. Watch out. You've got you to gotta do something else. I had the privilege of riding a very, very well-trained show horse. Uh, not for any great length of time, but for one summer. That horse was so well-trained by the man that taught me horsemanship that I could take the reins in one hand and lay my hand up there on that horse's neck. And all I had to do was to tap my little finger on the side of the neck of that horse and he'd take a hard right. Tap my thumb on the left side and he'd take a hard left. That's how well that horse was trained. It's like the rider and the horse were at one with each other. And uh, got along real good. But some of us are not quite so controlled with our, with our blasphemy and our filthy communication, things that should not be said, things that are dirty and rotten and low down as we poison the well and, and poison uh, the situation, the circumstance for others. It's usually about others. It's about others. What our moms tried to teach us about, you know, can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. That's probably very, very good, solid advice. Keep your mouth closed. Keep your mouth closed. I'm telling you tonight, don't say anything that you shouldn't say. Uh, put it through a final filter. The Holy Spirit should be that guard at the mouth. should have a Holy Spirit bit and bridle uh, controlling what we say, what comes out of our mouth. And lie not <clears throat> one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, this lying business has to do with anything that's not truthful. 
I am not required, because my hand is not on the Bible, I am not required to tell you everything that I'm thinking or feeling. And so you people who think it is your mission in life to discover everything that's going on with somebody else, let me tell you right now, here's a good piece of advice. Lay off. Everybody deserves to have their own private place inside of them where nobody else but the Lord can go. And you need to leave them alone and not want, I'm just, oh, we're just soulmates. We're just so close. We're just, you know. Don't keep drilling and trying to desire to know everything that's going on. Everybody's got their struggles between uh, themselves and, and uh, their station in life and what's going on in their relationships and they take it to Jesus. And sometimes they may share their burden, but that's their choice and not yours to discover. I'll tell you something else. Under certain circumstances, even those who absolutely promise you on a stack of Bibles, they'll never divulge it. I'm telling you right now, what you tell people, it's going to be told. Everything in darkness is going to come out into the light. And these people who feel like they got to put everything up on some media platform, what a shock it's going to be someday. What a terrible thing it is. If you bury your soul, you better plan on the whole world knowing about it if it goes up there on one of those platforms. What I'm telling you is, God never intended for you to tell everybody else whatever is going on inside of you. It is a false Catholic idea. Confess your sins one to another. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. James makes it very clear. The word false is not sins. I tell Jesus about my sins. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says to Timothy and how true that is. One mediator, Jesus Christ. Tell Jesus. Tell Jesus, don't tell the rest of the world. Don't put it up on some electronic medium. And don't tell somebody in church because somebody in church is going to tell the rest of the church. Sooner or later, it's going to get around. Like Andy telling Barney, there's a gold truck coming through. Our town, Mayberry, and it's worth $7 million. And you can't tell a soul. And what happened? The whole town came out for a parade. Because Barney couldn't keep it to himself. And uh, that's illustrative of uh, life in general. Let me tell you that. Amen and amen. The sins of the flesh and of the, of the emotions and of the mouth are so deadly. The damage that's done may never be undone in this life. God forgives and God forgets, but there are a lot of folks who will not forgive and forget. And because of that, we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit now, today, and not share with others things that's none of their business. And won't, listen, it won't make them a better Christian. Won't, won't improve your situation either. You know why you say it? Because you can't control your mouth. You can't zip your lip. That's it. Remember little Bobby Brindle now sits in a, in a wheelchair, paralyzed from a stroke. But when he preached here many years ago, put up that little tent out there. We had a, we had a preaching time with Bobby Brindle. 
he had a sermon. One of his messages in his series of messages was, you talk too much. And I think he quoted the words of some old, you know, doo-wop song. But, you talk too much. You talk too much. And he was looking right at us. You know what? I felt great conviction come over the congregation because guess what? We talk too much. Amen. Let your words be few, the Bible says. Use an economy of words. When it comes to telling all, tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. Be wise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for helping us in this message tonight. I pray that everyone here will take to heart, including this preacher, what has been preached. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message resonated with me, spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to me. Amen. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, take just a moment tell the Lord about it. When we give the invitation, won't you come? If God's spoken to your heart, pray about that or any other matter. If you've never received Christ as Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. 